Welcome to the Appalachian Spooky Hour Podcast. Those may include depictions of violence, gore, and other horrors meant for adults. Listener discretion is advised. Hey y'all, and welcome to the very first episode of the Appalachian Spooky Hour Podcast. Before we dive into today's tale, I just want to briefly talk about why I started this podcast in the first place. I was born and raised in the hills and hollers of eastern Kentucky, in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. My entire life growing up, I was told stories of the strange, mysterious, and macabre, both at home and at school. We often talked about local lore and legend, and as time went on, those tales expanded far beyond the immediate area to encompass all of Appalachia. This is an area rich with history, and if you're willing to dig deep enough, a lot of unusual tales that are both fact and fiction in equal measure. I wanted to share these stories with others, with folks who may not have heard them before. It's also a way for me to rehash all those familiar tales from my childhood and dig into them even deeper. Some of these tales will be new even to me, and we'll be exploring them together for the very first time. So whether you grew up in Appalachia or you just have a passing interest, I hope that you'll continue this journey with me and we'll see where it goes. Now, let's get started with the story of Stella Kinney's murder and the bleeding rock she left behind. Stella Kinney was a local girl, born and raised in the small town of Olifield, Kentucky, nestled in the foothills of the mountains. It was, and still remains, a relatively quiet place where nothing of much importance ever really happens. This was especially true in the spring of 1915 when the murder of this young 18-year-old girl rocked the community. The story begins with a pregnancy and subsequently ends with one too. You see, Stella's uncle, Robert Frazier, reached out to nearby family and friends looking for someone to help his wife around the house. She was a child, and ailing quite badly, and it was Stella's father, Basil Hatfield Kinney, who ultimately decided to provide them assistance. He sent young Stella, just 18 years old, to live with her aunt and uncle for a time to help in any way she could. Ultimately, this would prove to be a fatal mistake, though nobody could have predicted it at the time. It was family helping family, right? Where's the harm in that? What nobody knew was that, during her time living in the Fraser home, Robert had taken quite a shine to his young niece, Stella. So much so that he began to seduce her, grooming her into becoming his lover. While not much is known about their intimate relationship, what we do know is this. Stella Kinney ended up pregnant with her uncle's child, and that very much became a problem. Here was a man who had a sick wife who was about to give birth to their child, and he was having intimate relations with his own niece. Not only that, but the now product of his sick obsession would be known to the community at large, which was sure to end poorly. While Stella was living in the Fraser home, it was easy enough to hide the evidence of his misdeeds, but soon enough, Stella's father requested that she return to the family home, and Robert knew he was now in a bind. Once Stella was home with her own family, her delicate condition would soon be found out. 
A person can only hide a secret that big for so long. And so Robert did the only thing he could think of at the time. He killed her. Robert loaded Stella into his buggy under the guise of returning her to Olafil in her home. But she never made it. He killed Stella right there in the road. He then fabricated a somewhat outlandish tale in hopes of covering his own tracks. His story was that two men appeared out of the woods and took hold of the horse bridle. The men demanded they give up their whiskey and their money and other goods. When Robert climbed out of the wagon to confront the two men, one of them hit him with a club, knocking him to the ground. Reportedly fought with the man who ultimately subdued Robert and then dragged him by his heels down the road, muddying his shirt. Stella began to scream, and the man then proceeded to hit her twice with the club, and she sank onto the floor of the buggy out of sight. The men then took what cash Robert had on hand and left the scene. When later asked about the mysterious cuts on his hands, Robert would testify that they were made by barbed wire that cut him up during the scuffle with his assailant. Ultimately, Robert Frazier would stand trial for the murder of Stella several times until finally convicted. There were a lot of holes in Robert's story and a lot of evidence that wasn't found. It had stormed or at least rained earlier that day and the road the pair were traveling on was quite mucky. Yet, nobody could find footprints left behind by the two would-be assailants. He also insisted that he and Stella had both been hit by a club, but the seven wounds Stella sustained were more in line with wounds made by a hatchet or a similar type object, though no weapon was ever found, so we'll never truly know. The first trial ended with a hung jury, and the next trial was moved to Lawrence County, Kentucky. There, Robert would stand trial six more times until finally convicted in December of 1917, over two years since Stella Kinney's murder. There are conflicting reports out there about when Stella actually died. Some claim that she was taken to her parents' home and that's where she drew her final breaths. Others say she died on the road of her head injuries before ever reaching home again. A man by the surname of Binion was brought to the stand to testify as he had been the first person to stumble upon the scene. According to Mr. Binion, he saw Stella's body laying on the ground on the upper side of the road with something beneath her head as a cushion. She was not, of course, in the buggy where Robert claimed she'd fallen after being hit. No, she was resting near a large rock, which later became known locally as Bloody Rock. According to local legend and lore, it was against this rock that Stella was murdered, not in the buggy at all. It was here that her soul departed her body and that life faded from her young eyes. For decades after, locals would claim that on a rainy, stormy night, blood would run from the rock as though it were weeping over the murder it witnessed. A stark, bloody, and gruesome reminder of what had taken place there on that quiet road 
on another stormy night so many years ago. Bloody Rock, unfortunately, can no longer be seen. Decades later, the road was widened and the rock was dozed under to make room for the new road. It is still there, though, still resting near that faded spot, and perhaps still weeping rivets of blood for the young life that was cut short. Stella Kinney was buried, but then moved to a different cemetery a few years later. She now rests in an unmarked grave in John Kinney Cemetery along with her unborn child. Robert Fraser was eventually pardoned by the governor of Kentucky, William J. Fields, who was a native of Carter County, where the crime took place. Most locals believe that Robert committed the crime, however, and he did not return to the area for fear of his life. That is, unfortunately, the story of young Stella Kinney and the legend of the Bloody Rock. While I have been down that lonely back road where Stella died, I never got the chance to see the Bloody Rock for myself before it was dozed under. Still, it is a humbling and sad experience to stand where she drew her last breaths, young and innocent, and guilty of nothing except falling for the lies of an older man who wanted nothing more than to use and discard her. There have been songs written about Stella Kinney, and Stella Kinney is talked about in the local school system when discussing local history. Her story and her life will never be forgotten by the locals of that small town. And Robert Fraser will forever in the minds of people be a condemned man who did a horrible, horrible thing. Whether or not you believe in the Bloody Rock, it's still a horrible story. And if it is true, well, I guess we'll just never know now. I hope that you enjoyed this episode, and I hope that you'll join me again for more Appalachian lore and legend. I know this first uh, podcast was a little bit short, um, but I'm going to you know, work on that, and I wanted to kind of get a feel for how it's going to go. Um, feel free to check out my YouTube channel where I talk about other things, not just you know, the spooky and the macabre and, and stories outside of the Appalachian region. Um, thanks for listening, and I hope you'll tune in for episode two.